Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning and a very special welcome to those who haven't been here for a while and a welcome too to those who are visiting for the first time. It's always a gift to be together and it's also a gift to be joined by folks who are joining us from other spaces and places and maybe even on other days and times. As a community, we recognize the joy of gathering and we recognize the gift of knowing that we walk this journey with others and we practice what love looks like together. We also have the joy of welcoming each other and it is the practice in this church to do that with the words as they're printed in our bulletins and as they appear on your screens, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. So allow that welcome to rest gently upon you or to sit beside you and allow yourself to arrive. The more you arrive, the more you might notice it's a little chilly in here today. It's a lot warmer than it was on Wednesday. And we're hoping that by next weekend it will be even warmer. So maybe sit a little closer to someone. Or maybe just keep your arms in. And however you handle the temperature, allow it to just be what it is. And offer yourself that same grace. However you have arrived today, let it be. Let yourself take up as much space as your body needs and allow your breath to move effortlessly. And sometimes the path to effortless is effort, so maybe an exaggerated breath. Big breath in and a big breath out. And trust that the God that we worship and proclaim here is as close as our breath and is in fact the one that gives us breath. And let's see what the Spirit will do with us in this time of worship. As we turn to a time of lighting our Advent candles and then bringing in the light, I want to invite you into just a moment of um, quiet and an attitude of med meditation as I share with you these words from Howard Thurman. I will light candles this Christmas, candles of joy despite all sadness, candles of hope where despair keeps watch, candles of courage for fears ever-present. Candles of peace for tempest-tossed days. Candles of grace to ease heavy burdens. Candles of love to inspire all of my living. Candles that will burn all year long. And so we turn to lighting our candles this morning, our Advent candles. Karen and Linnea are, are lighting those for us. They have color-coded for... Uh, our Advent candles this morning. Please notice and appreciate that effort. 
So we light the candle of hope. The candle of peace. And the candle of joy. May those lights be with you. Let us rise in spirit and sing, Now We Come to Light a Candle. And just so you know, the last verse, last line is missing. We will sing, Calling on the Holy Name. children who would like to join Toby for Children's Church today, uh, you can meet Toby in the back. They will be headed down to room 12, and they will... (laughs) Oblivious. Sorry. (laughs) They will come back at the end. (laughs) Maybe it's a good time to say I'm Reverend Sarah. I mean, I'm Reverend Amelia. That's Reverend Sarah. So rude. So rude. (laughs) So, um, an introduction to our scripture this morning. The book of Isaiah is said to have three distinct sections, three authors, three historical contexts. And so while today's portion, which is chapter 40, the first few verses of chapter 40, 
It may appear to be words well into a book, but they're not. They're the beginning of Second Isaiah. These words were written at around 540 before the birth of Jesus. And the people who are hearing this message and the prophet who is delivering this message, they are all in Babylon. And the message that's being delivered is leave Babylon, cross the desert, and return to Zion. Zion is that penultimate place, God's holy, eternal city, the city of refuge, the complete opposite of what it is today. These initial verses of 2nd Isaiah announce God's new act of restoring the people of Israel, God's people. Remember, Israel means God wrestler. The name Israel is significant in that it captures all of those who consider themselves to be God wrestlers. And the time has come to leave Babylon and return to Zion. The land of Israel's God was set against in this reading the land of other gods, which were in Egypt and Babylon. In Babylon, the people were doomed. They had gone errant ways. In Zion, they would be restored. That's the promise. And so this morning, we're going to receive our scripture, actually, from our choir. The gift of music is going to convey to us both the feeling of this text and some of the words as well.
Thank you. I think it's worth saying that the authority of prophets was not connected to their title at this point in history, but rather their ability to persuade people, which is why music is a great way to convey a message, isn't it? Second, Isaiah is trying to persuade the people to depart with him on a new exodus. And this exodus will have an entry into Zion, like the historical exodus from Egypt to Canaan. Throughout every age, there are prophets who give voice to despair and destruction and the hard truth of where we are and how we got to this place. It's usually not just a single event. It's a series of events that may lead to a large event that is more of a tipping point that brings it onto the radar or the global news network. But it's never just a single event. It's this place where seemingly small things escalate to a place of danger, to self, to others, to communities, to nations, to a world. Consider the progression of harm connected to addiction. At some point, it starts with a substance. Whether it's an image of one or the behavior of seeing others consume, and then experimentation and then it goes from there. Or a harder thing to imagine for some, intimate partner violence. How it begins with disrespectful language and progresses into physical force and beyond. The progression of mental illness. I think This person is struggling. I'm sure they'll be fine. And that progresses to actions that are harmful and a need for medical care and treatment options. And when those three things, any of those, any of those three things are combined, consider how much more dangerous they become. What about the progression of an estranged relationship that begins by just simply not sending the text or not responding to the phone call or not sending the card and how over time that progresses to no contact? The progression of This is a more of an economic example, but the subprime mortgage crisis and the recession in 2007. Homeowners that are magically given a mortgage who can't afford it. Lenders who are seeking out particular groups of people to prey upon. 
This wasn't a surprise to the people that were involved. The progression of environmental devastation. This is fun, isn't it? <laughs> oh, the joy candle we lit today, where's that, right? But stay with it for a moment. Because this is the real world that we live in. The reality that is a part of all of our realities. And to deny it is not the presence of joy. To deny it is to push joy further away. So allow yourself, maybe now or maybe later, to allow other things to come to mind. These progressions of what seems so big now but didn't start now. These are instances where something and often many things need to change. And last week, when we focused on waiting, which is essential in some instances, waiting is not the answer here. Courage is. One of last week's questions was, when do you know when it's time to stop waiting? Or I don't know if that was or not, but that's a question that came in my head. And the answer is when it's time for courage. Think about who might be waiting for your courage, for our courage. Think about who has benefited from our courage, this community's courage. This message of change and a better way to come is very much present in the prophet Isaiah, all three parts, and the Hebrew Bible as a whole. And really, the simplistic way of looking at it, which is most helpful for me, is that basically the, the bottom line is you're following the wrong God. It's not about you're following the wrong religion. Don't confuse that, because we're not here to put down any other religions. What we're talking about is which God are you following? And that's an old question from many weeks ago. Who are you following? The, the wrong God is the distraction, the deceit, the denial. And all of that also comes through in the New Testament, where in Luke's Gospel, John the Baptist quotes Isaiah. In chapter 3 of Luke's Gospel, uh, verses 4 through 6, we hear the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of God. Make God's path straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. In other words, there will be a way This is proclaimed in the wilderness. And as many of us love to hike and love our wilderness, we also know that when you stray from the path, it can be very dangerous. And so in this place of no path, 
the people in Babylon are asked to follow and leave and go to Zion. And what the scripture is saying is that God will make the path. You know, those paths that we all follow on our hiking trails, they didn't just spring up. Some animals and some people made them many, many, many moons ago. And John, ba- John the Baptist preaching, his quoting of Isaiah and the preaching that surrounds it comes with a hard invitation to repent, to turn away from the path of destruction and devastation and to turn towards the ways of God the God who leads to life, the God who gives us life, the God who is also known as love. It's a sharp turn for those in power, for those who are already experiencing the illusion of comfort and joy and the misguided approach to peace where violence has become the default. The use of violence is misguided as a means to peace. Whether it's violence that is initiated or reciprocated, it's a lose-lose cycle that cannot end until there's a commitment to no more. A decision to turn around and go a different way. It's a sharp turn for those in power, which is why prepare the way is called out in the wilderness, not the streets of the capital city or the gated and guarded halls of justice. It's a sharp turn, which is why prepare the way is spoken in the wilderness where the displaced have migrated and are wanting to follow the prophet's call. Some speculate that John the Baptist started in the city and was pushed out. And he found his people in the wilderness. But even those who wanted to follow, even those of us in this room that want to follow, we have to admit that it's not easy. It's not just hard for people in power. The need for comfort and the path to joy comes from a place of discomfort and distress. A place when or where you know you need more than what comes from within. That's the first step of AA, isn't it? Admitting that you're powerless. Beth and I have a friend who every year reconnects with his high school buddies at a professional football game. Same team, but they go to different cities for the games. This year, they were in Florida. And so they were dropped off by an Uber driver, you know, hours and hours before the game, and they said, you know, where do we go to get an Uber after the game? Because if you've ever been to a game, you know it's mayhem. So you wanna go to where you're gonna get picked up. 
And so the Uber driver says, you just go over, right over there toward the bridge, cars will be lined up, people will be lined up, you'll get your ride. So they went, they did what they do, their team won, which was felt like a miracle. And after the game, they realized they were on the complete other side because their tickets were on the other side of the stadium. And one of the friends says, you know what? I go to concerts all the time. Let's, if we walk far enough away, we'll get picked up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they walked. And they kept walking. And they kept putting in for Uber to pick them up, and they kept getting dropped off the list. Finally, they saw a police car stationed on the side of the road, and they said, you know, hey, we're trying to get picked up by an Uber. And the police, the police person said, if you keep going that way, the only thing you're going to find are bullets. Yeah, pretty harsh, right? But here's someone who knows the communities. I mean, you know, if there are gangs in different communities, intruders are not going to be welcomed. And so they did a quick pivot, let me tell you. And they started hoofing it back the other way. And then they came to a gas station, which was at least within the realm of Uber willingness. And they joined the line of about 13 people. And they got their ride. But I guess my question is, who do you need to hear the message of turn around from in order to actually go a different way? How far lost do you have to be? What does the threat have to be? Or the dire prediction? At our most recent gun safe giveaway on Veterans Day, one of the last people to come through the line had said to our volunteers, you know, I'm thinking about purchasing a gun, and so maybe I'll, maybe I'll take a safe. Now, I have to tell you, I know I wasn't the only one that received that message in a hard way, like, ooh, we, we don't want to encourage you to be a gun owner if you're not a gun owner, because if there's anything that's been proven in this country, more is not better, and even having one is not safer. And so I think some of us took more deep breaths than others, but the person was not chastised in any way or not reprimanded in any way, but, but Karen Henderson was there. And she said to the person, because the person said, you know, I live alone, I used to have a gun, I got rid of it, I'm thinking about getting one. And Karen said, I live alone too. And she walked with the woman down the line, as it is, it's sort of a table, you go down the table to get the device, and then people help you set it up. And the woman said it again, you know, well, I live alone. Karen said, I live alone too, but I'm not going to get one. And in my heart of hearts, I hope she heard you, Karen. 
In that moment, you were prophet, you were truth teller, you were witness, you were courageous. And friends, that's what courage can look like. And I don't know the end of this story. But courage doesn't mean we always know the end. It just means we do what needs to be done in the moment in a way that doesn't harm the dignity of a person. There was no imminent harm of anyone in that moment. But there might have been a space created for grace and for a different way and for a rethinking because if your only message is I need this so that what are you going to do? Let's take a moment to sit in the wilderness space. The places where it's not clear that there's a way or what the way is. Just allow yourself to sit there. Perhaps one of those progressions touched a piece of your life that you can revisit now. Perhaps you're aware of places in your story, in your family story, in your community story, in our world story, where there's hurting and worse. Allow yourself to just be there where comfort and joy feel long lost. Let's just do that together. And this space is not a space to stay or to live. It's a space where grace, hope, peace, joy, love can be born. And so into this space, in this space, let us rise in spirit and sing a hymn that may be familiar to many, but comes to us this day with new words. We're going to sing O Come, O Come, Emmanuel with these words adapted by Marin Tirabasi. And I want to point out that the third verse is the original verse of the hymn. So friends, let's rise in spirit as those in the wilderness or willing to admit there is one. And let's sing.
turn to this time of community prayer together, I'm thinking of something that um, Reverend Sarah was talking about on the paths, the paths that we walk, and I'm thinking about the ways that we need lights on those paths, especially if we find ourselves in dark times, <laughs> out a little later than we meant to be, maybe. And so I wonder if you checked back in with yourselves right now, maybe returning to that breath that we drew from this morning, what is the light that you need on your path? Just right now. Is it maybe one of the lights of the candles that we lit this morning? Is it a light you've seen others shine for you? Maybe it's a light you know you have inside, and you're just needing it to be kindled. So let's close our eyes, if that's comfortable, or find just a soft gaze, maybe focus on a candle. And let the light that you need come to you. From this place, we gather our hearts and open our souls to what the Spirit may be leading us towards. And we may be noticing prayers that are arising. And so God, in this community of faith, the community that comes to know you better, to find and to be found, I ask that for those who are sick, you send the light of healing. For those who are struggling, you send the light of joy. For those who are facing violence, you send the light of peace. And that for all of us, you send the light of love. And that from that light, we learn to walk in all of the other lights. In the name of the one who showed us the way. Amen. And so we join our voices together now, saying the prayer that is printed in your bulletin. Blessed one, our parent, our creator, holy is your name. May your love be enacted in the world. May your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Draw near in times of temptation and trial and deliver us from evil. For all that we do in your love and all that your love brings to birth and the fullness of love that will be are yours now and forever. Amen.